welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the She Talks Health podcast, everybody. This is your host, FDNP and founder of She Talks Health, Sophie Shepard. And I'm here with an amazing friend of mine, a new friend of mine. We have such similar views on, well, estrogen and hormones. And today, the whole episode is going to be about estrogen excess, estrogen dominance, and what those symptoms might look like, how estrogen becomes imbalanced, what we can do to rebalance it, and what are some of the longer-term consequences if we don't balance estrogen dominance or estrogen excess. And finally, and most importantly, how women can use their cycle as a superpower, which you guys know is one of my favorite things. So I want to welcome to the show, Kate Vasquez. Welcome. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored and blessed to be here today and having this conversation with you. Me too. And guys, if you don't know Kate, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a functional medicine physician assistant. So cool. (laughs) She's also the founder of Radiant Health and she's an award-winning author. So amazing. She wrote a book. It's a bestseller. It's called Estrogen is a Bitch. And she wrote it to bring awareness about estrogen dominance, which is exactly what we're going to talk about. And Kate teaches women how to naturally balance their hormones, use their cycle as a superpower, and reconnect to themselves at their highest level. Oh, I love it, Kate. (laughs) It's so nice to have you here. We were just talking before we pressed record how we both use that phrase of like using your cycle as a superpower really understanding our bodies and our hormones. It's like this big mystery for so many women, but if we can give them that education like we will today, then we can really take charge. So I just love your mission so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So let's dive right in to what estrogen dominance is and the symptoms. I tend to use estrogen excess or estrogen dominance interchangeably I think people call it different things, but what is it to start? (laughs) Yeah, that is such a great question because in the medical field, we are familiar with estrogen dominance and what it means, but to a regular person, they may not know exactly what it means. And it's funny because I was talking to a high performance woman about estrogen dominance. She's like, yeah, my practitioner said I had estrogen dominance. She says she thought that was so cool. She's like, yeah, estrogen dominance, you know, and as a high performance achiever, we have that misconception that 
it's a, it's a good thing. But then she realized, no, it wasn't such a good thing. And that was what was contributing to a lot of issues that she was having, such as inability to lose weight because of her, her imbalance in her hormones. And so what estrogen dominance means is that it's basically in an imbalance of estrogen and ratio to progesterone. And this is during a specific time of the cycle because our hormones are always fluctuating during different times of the cycle. We can definitely dive into that as well. And so it's important to understand that estrogen should be high in certain times of the cycle and should be lower in other times during the cycle. But when there's an imbalance, if there is a lot of estrogen in the system, it can create a lot of issues for women and a lot of symptoms, debilitating symptoms that women are suffering with every single month. And there's a lot of women that are suffering in silence and they don't realize that this is not normal because we've just been taught to like, oh, well, this is just part of being a woman and, you know, part of what we're supposed to experience every month. But it's not normal. And so it is definitely my, my mission to help educate women that um, if you're having these symptoms and you're experiencing these things, it's not normal. There's imbalances going on in the body. And the good thing is, is that there is hope and you can do things that are just so simple right away to really help balance out those hormones. And so that's what estrogen dominance means. It's just basically an imbalance, whether there's a lot of estrogen in the system or if there is normal amount of estrogen, but there's not enough progesterone. Um, so you just have this imbalance of that ratio and the specific phase that I'm talking about is the luteal phase. And that's really, really important, especially when checking hormones, because a lot of Western medicine practitioners, if they check hormones, they're not checking at a specific time of the cycle. And, you know, if you're checking during your period, of course, all the hormones are going to be low. So you're not going to be able to see these different patterns that emerge um, that I've been able to see with estrogen dominance. And so it's really important that we are zoning in on the luteal phase to look at that imbalance of estrogen in, in ratio to progesterone. And so to talk a little bit, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's pause there. I think if you're listening to this podcast and hopefully this isn't your first episode, you already know what Kate is talking about, but just in case this is your very first She Talks Health podcast, there are four phases in a women's cycle. The luteal phase is the one she's talking about is right before you bleed. And in this phase, what she's saying is that there should actually be more progesterone in ratio to estrogen, but what happens is it flips. And then we get all these crazy symptoms that we're going to talk about in a second that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I have, I have this, I have this. And I love what you just said about checking your hormones in the right phase. Like, hello, how important is that? Because as Kate said, like during our period, then we basically lose all our hormones. They kind of like go to empty again, and then we build up estrogen, and then we peak at estrogen and ovulation, and then you know, progesterone comes in. And so it's like, we have to be aware of these hormones, which is part of how we can use, by the way, how we can use our cycle as a superpower is understanding (laughs) that. Yes. I just love that you said that because I think that's a social common thing I hear is, oh yeah, like I, I took my hormones with my doctor and things are totally fine. And I was like, what day did you check them? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't even track my cycle or like on day three. And I'm like, okay, so (laughs) let's talk about why for these symptoms, that's not useful and get you tested properly. I love that. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've had the same, like, oh, I don't know what time of the cycle. And then when I go and check, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't look right. And so it's really, really important that 
it's being assessed. It's being assessed properly and at the right time. And um, as, as you mentioned, there are four phases of the cycle. And so the cycle, menstrual cycle on average is about 28 days, but most women don't really have a 28 day cycle. Some women can have a 26 day cycle or a 30 day cycle. As long as it's occurring pretty regularly every month, it doesn't matter as long as it falls within a couple of days of 28 days the menstrual cycle is split in half. You have the follicular phase and then the luteal phase as you were explaining. And then the first, when we start our period, the menstrual phase is what starts the follicular phase. And for most women that can last anywhere for three to seven days. So the first few days of your cycles for menstrual phase, also the beginning of the follicular phase, And then afterwards, you're going into the late follicular phase. But during the menstrual cycle, that's when your hormones are at their lowest. And then as you mentioned, during the late follicular phase, estrogen starts to rise as well as FSH because that's preparing the egg to be released. It's maturing it to be released at ovulation. So right before ovulation occurs... That's when estrogen, testosterone are at its peak. It's at the highest. And that's when most women feel their best. They have the most energy. They feel sexy and confident. And that's because of this this fluctuation of the hormones. And then you get the surge of LH, which is luteinizing hormone to help the egg to be released at ovulation. And then once that occurs, then all the hormones start declining. And then that leaves the opportunity as we go into the luteal phase for progesterone to start increasing. And it's really important that progesterone's increasing during this time because our bodies were made, you know, for reproduction and, uh, progesterone is our pregnancy hormone. And so it's really important that progesterone is increasing during the luteal phase, whether we want to get pregnant or not, because that can help minimize a lot of symptoms that women are having. But however, do keep in mind, even though progesterone is increasing and reaching its peak during the luteal phase, we do get a little bit of bump of estrogen and that is normal. But the problem is, is that if we don't get that increase in progesterone, like we should, or we get a lot of estrogen in the second phase, that's when the problems occur. And then once progesterone increases, reaches its peak, if fertilization does not occur, implantation of egg does not occur in the uterus that's when all the hormones, including progesterone, start declining again back to its baseline. And then the cycle starts all over again. So yeah, I definitely wanted to make sure that women are aware of the importance of the fluctuation of the hormones. And this is why, again, it's important to to check the hormones at a specific time of the cycle when progesterone's at its peak. And for most women, can anywhere be uh, days 19 to 22. So if someone has the 28-day cycle, I'm checking day 21. If a woman has a 30-day cycle, I'm checking on day 23. And that's when progesterone is at its peak to look at the progesterone versus estrogen ratio. And uh, as far as the symptoms of estrogen dominance, so if there's that imbalance, um, what I commonly typically will see and what women will experience is first, irregular periods. And this is because if there's a lot of excess estrogen in the system, uh, we, especially when you have the, that fluctuation of estrogen and, and progesterone, a lot of estrogen, what happens in the follicular phase is that as estrogen's rising, it's also thickening the endometrial lining, but also when progesterone increases and decreases, it also sends signals from the brain to the reproductive organs. And so when fertilization or progesterone is not increasing and fertilization does not occur, that normally sends the signals for the endometrial lining to 
to shed and that's when we get our period. But if we don't have that normal increase and in rise and decline of progesterone levels, it can also make our, our cycles a little bit more irregular. So they're not occurring at the same time every month. So that is a common symptom that I will typically see with estrogen dominance is those irregular cycles. And then when estrogen is increasing the the lining of the endometrium, I will also see heavy periods too, mm-hmm. because if there's a lot of estrogen, it's going to thicken that endometrial lining even more. So that's 100%. the second symptom. Yeah. That I typically will see. And I'm curious if you've seen that. I'm sure you have. It's been interesting this year and we'll, we're going to talk about why these things happen. There's, there's a laundry list of why estrogen oh, yeah. get imbalanced. <laughs> One of the things with stress with COVID and everything, oh, yeah. and so much going on. I've actually had two clients this year have such imbalanced cycles, they weren't even getting to the place where they were ovulating and they were just Mm -hmm. bleeding every two weeks because that endometrial lining was just like building up and there was no progesterone to balance it. Awful. Like, you know, having your period every two weeks and what for both of them ended up working was actually really getting to the root of their stress and like Mm -hmm. removing that stress or reducing it or finding tools to balance it. That and acupuncture really helped balance that frequent bleeding. So you know, when Kate's talking about irregular <laughs> cycles, it could be a really long cycle or a really frequent cycle. Oh, yeah. So anything outside that, you know, kind of 28-ish day, not exactly, yes. <laughs> guys, not exactly. We don't want anyone to think like you have to have an exactly 28-day cycle. But thank you for, for bringing those two up because it just reminded me of those two clients I had this past three months. Like, oh, man, that stress is really going to imbalance our hormones. So, oh yeah. And well, I'll definitely talk about that too as well. <laughs> yeah. Those are the, the, the top two symptoms that I'll typically see all that ac- excess estrogen or imbalanced estrogen just causes the, yeah. the thickening of the endometrial lining. So it's going to cause those heavy, heavy bleeding sometimes with or without clots when we'll see like clots the size of quarters, which is definitely not normal. So if you're experiencing that, that definitely is telltale sign. And also like really dark blood too. Like it should be like a nice deep, bright red, but if it's more of like a dark purplish brownish red, that's definitely not a good sign. So that's another clue too. looking at the color of your period can also determine if you have any hormonal imbalances. And then the third common symptoms with estrogen dominance is PMS symptoms. And that's because estrogen causes the release of prostaglandins and prostaglandins are these chemicals that get released that increase inflammation and also causes the uterus to contract. So the endometrial lining can shed when we have our period. But the problem is, is that when there's a lot of estrogen, excess estrogen, it's going to increase even more prostaglandin. So that's when a lot of women will have those severe menstrual cramps. And so that is one of the causes, but also too, as progesterone levels are lower than normal, that's when women are going to experience those mood swings, the anxiety, the depression, they're also going to have that insomnia and more headaches. So all those PMS symptoms are just due to that imbalanced estrogen and and progesterone as well. And then uh, the PMS uh, symptoms, let's talk about them for a second. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I wish we were in a group call guys, raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Painful breasts and insomnia, and you want to kill your partner for breathing in the same room. (laughs) I love that you brought the PMS up because as Kate was saying about the blood color and the clots, it's like, Mm -hmm. those are not normal to have that 
you know, heavy, heavy period or clots everywhere. But we're just thought, we're just told, oh, like, it's, it's just a period. Like, okay, it's painful. Okay, it's heavy. That's just part of being a woman, right? Like you said at the beginning. And then same thing with PMS. Like how many jokes are there around, <laughs> oh, you're just PMSing. You're just being hormonal. And guess what? Yeah. Kate and I are here to say, uh-uh, progesterone's low, estrogen's high, something's imbalanced, and you don't have to live like that, right? You don't have to be the PMS girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like, I don't even know how many memes are out there <laughs> no, right? in regards like, to PMS. But yeah, no. it, it is really crazy. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, and you mentioned breast tenderness, which is like the fourth symptom of of estrogen dominance because estrogen and progesterone are responsible for the development of our breasts when we go through puberty. But the problem is, is that when there's a lot of excess estrogen in the system or imbalanced estrogen, it just causes that breast tissue to swell. It causes more fluid to build up and it's painful. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. Um, it can also lead to the development of cysts as well in the breast. And so that's another thing to, to recognize and realize like when women are developing fibrocystic breast disease, it's due to an imbalance in estrogen in their body. Yeah. And that's so important. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy. Cause I'm like, I wasn't even taught these things in PA school, but the more I learn about the hormones, the more I realize, Oh, this is why women are experiencing these and developing these things. And, uh, the fifth symptom is weight gain and not just anywhere, but particularly in the butt, hips and thighs. And that's because as we go through puberty, again, estrogen is responsible for our curves. And that's why women deposit some fat and adipose tissue in their butt, hips and thighs. But the problem is, is that when you're gaining weight, it's interesting because when, when women will gain weight, they'll gain weight in different areas of the body, which actually gives us clues as to what imbalances are going on. And so with estrogen dominance, if you gain a lot of weight in your butt, hips and thighs, primarily, that's like probably the biggest sign of estrogen dominance. So it's like, you know, that song like, <laughs> oh, Becky, look at her butt, you know, <laughs> so I like big butts and I can't lie. I'm like, that's probably a sign of estrogen dominance, you know, <laughs> because I love recording podcasts with my friends. It's like the most fun thing ever. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, that, that's something I never really <laughs> thought about as like the biggest symptom because I always am so focused on the pain or the heavy cycle. Mm -hmm. And that's such a good point. And I think that's actually a really important thing to say too at this point, because like we're kind of hating on estrogen, but <laughs> estrogen <laughs> is really important. And like, it does it give is. us the hips, our lips, our thighs, like all of those amazing things. Yes. It makes us feel like you said during like, you know, the late follicular and around ovulation, we're, we're feeling ourselves. We're like, oh, I want to go out. I want to have sex. You guys have heard me say this a million times. I think it, there's good things too. It's just like anything in excess is, is not good, right? Right. Absolutely. And like you said, I don't want to give estrogen a bad rep because we do need estrogen. We need it for so many things and not just for our curves, um, for our skin to keep our skin like nice and plump. Because when you think about when we go through menopause, we do lose that elasticity of our skin. It starts to sag and wrinkle. It also is really important for our heart health. It's very cardioprotective, um, important for our bones. We also need it for our muscle mass too. Like a lot of time we think of testosterone and muscle, but we also need a little bit of estrogen to maintain good, healthy muscle mass too. So it's like, it's really important for overall health. And that's why when women go through menopause and they lose progesterone, estrogen, 
the hormones start to climb, they're more at risk of a lot of chronic disorders. It's also important for our brain, our, our memory and our mood. And so when women are going through menopause, you know, they have more risk of Alzheimer's and heart disease and diabetes and all these different things because now they're getting weight and they're losing their protectiveness effect of estrogen. So, you know, my, my mission is to help educate women that estrogen is a problem when it's imbalanced, but we also need it as well. So it's just finding that right balance. And this is why I also like to call estrogen the Goldilocks hormone, because you want, you know, you don't want too much and you don't want too little. You want just the right amount. And when we have the right amount, we're thriving, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, definitely keep that in mind. Like we're not talking about the negative effects of too much estrogen, but also estrogen is really, really important for us as well. Absolutely. I'm really glad you went through that list. That's like, I think the neurocognitive stuff is the stuff that really is so fascinating about estrogen. Um, You know, we have estrogen receptors all over the body. It's kind of fascinating. For anyone listening, episode 39, I go through the benefits of estrogen and progesterone because I think it's really important to talk about the benefits. And a lot of what on the estrogen was what you said about the muscle mass and skin elasticity and brain health and all these positives. So yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just the imbalance. So (laughs) let's talk about, um, because we talked about the symptoms. I think we covered most of them, PMS, weight gain, painful cycles, heavy, you know, periods, clotting, brown or dark purple blood, and then irregular cycles. And of course, inside of the PMS, we can talk about breast tenderness, insomnia, and headaches as well. Yeah, those are those are the most main symptoms, the most common ones that I'll typically see. But you you also have like fatigue and brain fog. Acne too is a big one. Um, mm. A lot of times, you know, women that develop acne they think PCOS and high androgens, but it can also be excess estrogen too, infertility, low libido. So those are a lot of other common symptoms too. Now, would you say with the acne that it's in the same place that you would find if someone had high testosterone? Not necessarily, because I actually had acne growing up as a teenager and was put on birth control, which did clear that up. Granted, birth control does, it does suppress all our hormones, suppresses estrogen, progesterone, it binds up all our testosterone. So if women do have uh, PCOS, that's why they'll, they'll notice that their skin will clear up because if it is due to excess androgens, it's binding up all your testosterone, but it's not necessarily the only cause. I've seen a lot of women that don't have high androgens that also have acne because there's just so many other causes too. It's also poor gut health. It's inflammatory food. Sometimes it's the products we're using on our skin that's clogging our pores, but it could also be due to excess estrogen too. Yeah, absolutely. And I find I mean, this is a kind of a side note, you guys, but I think if you've been following me for a while, you know that I'm, I'm going through getting my amalgams removed. So I have mercury Dang. toxicity. <laughs> oh boy. Um, what'd you say? I said, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I have like crazy mercury te- toxicity because I have nine mercury silver fillings in my teeth when I was a kid. So they've been off gassing mercury for like 15 years, 20 years, like a long time. Right. And you know, something I've been finding is I get this peak of acne on my cheek right before ovulation, like usually cycle day, like seven through 11, I'll get like two or three little pimples on my cheek. And sometimes they're not so little guys. Okay. Let's be honest. And (laughs) what I've realized is my products are clean. You know, my gut health's been in general pretty good, except for, you know, when I went to Guatemala and picked up some sort of 
pathogen. <laughs> it feels like that imbalance in estrogen. And what's interesting is I know all the causes of estrogen dominance we're going to go through in a second. And for me, I have this gut feeling that when I get this mercury out of my mouth and I don't have this metalloestrogen excess, that it's not going to peak like that anymore. So um, I'm doing that in about a month and I will let you guys know as it goes through the detox process, if the acne finally clears up, it's something I've only had in the last five years. And um, it's been fascinating to see when it comes. And it's always with the estrogen peak. I've done everything else to kind of get rid of the estrogen excess in that sense. And I think it's around this heavy metal stuff. So anyways, I just wanted to share that story because um, you might be dealing with acne and like, I'm going to hit my head against the wall. If I get another pimple, I don't know what else I can do. And that's a pretty random one, but an important one. So anyways, all of that about acne, but we should do like a whole <laughs> acne podcast, but I would love to like, let's dive into how estrogen gets imbalanced. We talked about stress a little bit. We know gut health, liver. Let's run through the list and then go back and kind of dive into each one. Yeah, definitely poor gut health, inflammatory processed foods, nutrient deficiencies, stress, toxins, histamine, even medications like birth control. So there's so many different causes that can contribute to estrogen dominance. And keep in mind, it's usually not just one thing. Usually it's multifactorial that can contribute <laughs> to that. And that's what I always tell my clients too. I'm like, when we're going to uncover the root, it's going to be multiple. Poor gut health is probably the first and foremost thing that I look at and work with all my clients because I mean, even Hippocrates, who was a physician like long, long, long time ago, thousands of years ago said, all disease begins in the gut. And it's just so crazy when you think about it, like he had that insight and we're just now learning about the microbiome. Like no, he was definitely like, onto something. I know. <laughs> I always think that that is the craziest thing that he knew that back then we are just yeah. like in our infancy of understanding the <laughs> microbiome. I totally agree with you. I feel like gut health is just the foundation of all health. And even if someone doesn't have like a gut symptom, I think you always have to look at the gut. Oh, for sure. I've uncovered a lot of issues in the gut when someone didn't have any GI issues and even pathogens that can contribute to autoimmune disorders. So it's like really, really important that we're looking at and assessing the gut, whether you have symptoms or not, because most importantly, we have what's called the microbiome and the microbiome is all those trillions of bacteria that are in the gut. Well, not just bacteria, it's bacteria, it's viruses, it's parasites, protozoa, yeast. I mean, there's so many different types of microorganisms and they're supposed to all be living in community with each other. So think of like a big happy community. But the problem is, is that when there's some bacteria or yeast or a parasite that starts to take over and you get this disruption of the microbiome. And we have something called the astrobolome which I love to say is basically estrogen. It's like the and best word ever. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It really is the astrobolome. But uh, it's basically estrogen and microbiome combined. And the significance and importance of this is that there are specific gut bacteria that's responsible for estrogen metabolism. And this is why it's really important that we have really good optimal gut health because we want to support these bacteria uh, to get rid of estrogen. So our body, we are supposed to make estrogen, but then we're also supposed to get rid of the excess. The problem is, is when we have that disruption of the microbiome called dysbiosis, we then start taking estrogen from its inactive form and turning it back into the active form. And then the body starts using it again. And the, the mechanism that's responsible for this is an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And this enzyme is supposed to be low. Like it's not supposed to be in high amounts. It's supposed to allow inactive estrogen to pass right through because it gets broken down from its active to inactive form in our liver. Then it binds to file, then goes to our gut. 
So then it should be eliminated through our poop. But when we have that dysbiosis, what happens, this enzyme increases the beta-glucuronidase and now it converts it back to its active form. So now the body's like, oh, I guess you're not on your way out. I guess we're going to pick you back up again and start using you. And that's what we don't want. And that's one of the main contributors to estrogen dominance is this poor gut health leading to dysbiosis, leading to uh, the estrogen not being eliminated and being reabsorbed back into the body. Oh, my favorite. Grounded and estrobolome and dysbiosis. I know we just threw like a lot of fancy words at you, but it is so important. We do have an episode on poop and estrogen, I think is what it's called. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think it's literally called how poop influences estrogen or something like that. So if you were like, what the heck did she just say? Either press pause and rewind or listen to that other episode or something. But I think this is so important. It's so interesting how your liver could be like working really, really well. And then your gut could retoxify us with estrogen. You know what I always say when I'm trying to explain it to somebody like clients, I always think it's like the Amazon delivery like, like the estrogen's getting packaged up at the Amazon plant, put into a package, but then the disgruntled Amazon worker is like chucking it at your front door and like the estrogen is just coming out of the box. Oh yeah. It's like see, it's so funny that our bodies could do both things, you know, like your liver could work so well, your bile could be working great. And then your dysbiosis is like, nope, just kidding. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I used, I used to have a lot of constipation and I didn't realize like, okay, if I'm not going to the bathroom every day. I'm not eliminating estrogen because I definitely experienced estrogen dominance and especially coming off of birth control. And and the crazy thing is that birth control really impacts the gut health. So it really causes, I mean, that's a whole nother topic in itself, but... It's like <laughs> the amount of work that Kate and I probably have done for women coming off birth control to get them back in balance is astronomical, right? It's like kind oh, of crazy. yeah. It is. It is crazy. But yeah, so poor gut health, definitely one of the biggies. Um, inflammatory processed foods too. Yeah. Another thing, growing up, I grew up in a country town. So I probably was consuming a lot of meat and dairy that was full of hormones. They're containing a lot of hormones, a lot of antibiotics. So the hormones are attaching to all our receptors in the body, you know, we're taking in these excess or exogenous hormones from the outside in. And then with the antibiotics, it's disrupting our microbiome. So that's probably another reason why I had issues with my gut and having the acne as well. Yeah. So growing up, I ate a lot of these not good sources of meat and dairy. And so it's really important that we're focusing on the quality of foods. I also consumed a lot of sugar growing up, sugar and uh, a lot of packaged foods, which contain mm. inflammatory oils. So all these things are going to affect our gut health as well. Also nutrient deficiencies. When we talk about estrogen metabolism through the liver, there are specific nutrients that we need to help support those pathways, those processes. And that's the uh, magnesium B vitamins that are really important for that as well. We also need nutrients for production of progesterone. So vitamin C, B6 are really, really important nutrients. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize like I was deficient in a lot of these nutrients and I have the COMT gene, which I need more magnesium. I also have the MTHFR genetic mutation as well. So I need those active B vitamins to really support those pathways to help my body to eliminate, you know, to process those excess estrogens and get them out through the liver into, into the intestines. So Mm -hmm. uh, nutrient deficiencies is another one. And, Mm -hmm. and it's crazy because growing up, I thought like, okay, once I switch to like, 
a primarily whole foods, plant-based diet. I thought I was getting all my nutrients from, from my food, but unfortunately I discovered that with the farming, uh, our soils are depleted. And yeah. so we can't get all the nutrients. Like I still recommend like eat as many whole plant foods as, as possible, get as much as nutrients as you can from your food, but still do the testing because you'd be surprised that you might be still deficient in some really key nutrients that we need for estrogen metabolism. So just to be clear, I think it's important when we're talking about these things that you are really specifically talking about poor quality animal proteins and dairy, not everyone needs to be vegan. We're not saying that. We're actually saying that that might even be hard on your body because we know plant-based foods are hard on the gut and that our soils, unfortunately, in this country are very depleted. So we're not saying like, go vegan. (laughs) We're saying, (laughs) can you find plants that are super nutrient dense with those like micronutrients you were talking about Mm -hmm. and vitamins? And then also, can you find higher quality animal protein if you tolerate it? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I say whole food plant-based doesn't necessarily mean vegan. It can be for some people, it can be vegan, can be vegetarian, but it can also be where they're consuming mostly plant foods and then they're consuming a good quality meat on the side. And I love Dr. Hyman. He created the vegan diet, which is basically that where meat is a condiment, you know, it's a small amount on your plate, but your plate should mostly be plant foods because yeah, we're just so deficient in all the nutrients that we can get from plants, you know, all the vitamins, the minerals, the healthy fats, the antioxidants, the fiber, we need all these things, especially to support gut health, but also to make sure that we're getting in these nutrients. Um, But again, like I said, sometimes we're just still, still depleted. And that's why it's also important to get micronutrient testing, to make sure that you're really getting in those nutrients and supporting the deficiencies, if any are Mm. present so that we're also supporting these pathways as well. So important. Oh, I love this conversation. Okay. So (laughs) gut health, nutrient deficiencies, inflammatory processed foods, you mentioned histamine, which, um, histamines, (laughs) <laughs> yes, which again, we have a whole episode of histamine because she and I probably, we talked about it. We could probably go through like every single symptom you've ever experienced and histamine is <laughs> definitely on there, birth control and stress. So do you want to talk on any of those other ones before we move into yeah. five ways to rebalance? Absolutely. Yeah. With histamines real quick, uh, the the mechanism behind histamines is that uh, histamine and estrogen attach to the same receptor, which is H1. And so it was interesting when I was working with a lot of clients with estrogen dominance, like half of them would get better with everything that I would do. And the other half did it. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is the missing key here? And then I realized it was histamine. So I started checking histamine level and they were coming back high. And once I had them pull out a lot of histamine foods, which you can definitely Google, like what are the lists? And it's a long list. But once they removed those foods, it was like night and day, like the PMS symptoms went away. The pain at ovulation went away. The mood swings improved. It was just, it was crazy how there was such a link with histamine and estrogen dominance because histamines also flare up estrogen in the body and then estrogen flare up histamine. So it becomes this vicious cycle. So not only are they attaching to the same receptors, but then they're, they're kind of flaring each other up as well. Kind of um, messed so up, right? It is kind of messed <laughs> up. And if your estrobilome and your gut is messed up, that's oh where God. you process the enzyme that breaks down histamine. 
so sorry you guys. <laughs> oh, it's all connected. It oh, is. Gosh. It really is. It's so crazy. But yeah, so it's important to keep in mind, like if you're going along, you're doing all the right things, um, you're still not getting improvement, maybe look into histamines, especially if you notice that you have a lot of sensitivities. If you look at also the the symptoms of histamine intolerance, I mean, it's a lot of different symptoms as well. And so it can be masked as other things, but it's a good thing to keep in mind in the back of your mind. If you're not improving, maybe pull out histamine foods and that can make a huge, huge difference. But yeah, histamines is like a whole other thing. And then if you got mold on top of that and SIBO, <laughs> flare up the histamines too. <laughs> oh gosh, I have so many mold clients. I'm just checking for it every time now because I'm just so, yeah. so many homes have mold and it's incredible. It does. It does. And a lot of people are reacting to it and aren't even aware of it. But yeah, wow. so histamines is another one. Uh, stress is a huge, huge factor because I do believe, I mean, most of us, we, we have stress, even if it may not necessarily be like a physical stress, but we have physical stress. We have emotional stress. We have chemical stress. You know, we're constantly exposed to all these chemicals and toxins and radiation. And, and then just like the mental stress too, just the mental stress of meeting demands, but also emotional too, like the thoughts that we have about our body. So, I mean, we have like 70,000 thoughts per day. And I think like 80% of those are like negative, which is crazy. So if we think about it, we're putting stress on ourselves by just our thoughts. And I do believe like our thoughts have the power to create health in our body, but we just have to become more aware of the thoughts that we're thinking and recognize it. And then you know, stop those thoughts in their place and reframe and use different thoughts, you know, that are more positive and empowering uh, that can really impact our, our quality of life and our health. So stress is definitely a big, big thing because what stress does is when our bodies are under stress, we increase cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And that creates inflammation in the body. When we have a lot of inflammation, we also start producing more estrogen. Um, also because cortisol and our sex hormones are all produced from cholesterol, uh, when our bodies are under fight or flight, under a lot of stress, our bodies are more focused on producing more cortisol and less of our sex hormones. When our bodies are more in a relaxed state, calm, parasympathetic state, our bodies are going to be focused more on producing more progesterone. And this is what I'll commonly see with a lot of women who are under a lot of stress, especially if they are high achieving women, they're going after a project or starting their own business or whatever it may be. They typically have lower levels of progesterone because their body's in that constant fight or flight mode. It's thinking survival, not reproduction, because when our bodies are more relaxed, we're more likely to reproduce. And so that's the biggest thing that I will typically see is like, okay, let's look at the adrenal, see what's going on there. Because if the progesterone levels are low, you're probably pulling away and not focus on producing more progesterone. And that's going to create that imbalance as well. Uh, so stress, not only creating that inflammation, but also causing lower levels of progesterone in the body. That's going to be a big thing, uh, con Huge. contributing to estrogen dominance as well and toxins too. And that's another mm. big thing. Oh my goodness. I can just go on about toxins. I know we need like a part two. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So toxins, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Toxins. When I went into functional medicine and learned about all the toxins in my environment, I freaked out. I was oh, like, yeah. oh my goodness. I started looking at everything that I was using, uh, especially when I saw the statistic from environmental working group that says women use on average 12 products per day and <laughs> leave the house with 168 chemicals on their body. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, I like learned that statistic, I think eight years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to throw everything out. I mean, that's also yeah. stressful though. So like when we talk about right. toxins, I feel like we have to do it in a way that's not stressing us out. 
Yeah. And I, I completely agree because yes, that can create a stress in itself. Just recognizing like, oh my gosh, what I'm using is affecting my body. It's creating a lot of toxic burden and impacting my hormones. And uh, these chemicals are called xenoestrogens. So they have these foreign compounds that mimic estrogen in the body. And because of that, they look like estrogen. They're going to bind to the same receptors in our body and that can cause a big problem. And so when I learned about all these foreign chemicals, I started switching things out, but I realized I had to be realistic because I couldn't switch out everything just because of cost. And, and that's okay. Like, again, just having that awareness, there are these products that I'm using, they're probably not the best. And I need to start swapping them out one at a time. You do it when you can and, and just for better products. And the good thing is, is that there are companies out there like the environmental working group. Uh, my favorite app is think dirty. Cause there's a scanner in there. So you can scan all the products that you're using in your home to see what's clean, what's dirty. And then when you go to the grocery store, you scan the products that are there in the store to find better alternatives. So it definitely makes things a lot more easier instead of just trying to figure it out, trial and error and reading the label and like figuring out what does this mean? You know? <laughs> so I love yeah. think dirty. Um, there's another app too called you Y-U-K-A, which is awesome. Same thing. You can scan not only the products you're using, but also food items, which I love because food can have a lot of toxic ingredients. You know, there's preservatives, fillers, thickeners, dyes, and the list goes on that can really disrupt our hormones as well. So having these apps at our hand can really make things a lot easier when we go to replace and find better alternatives that are better for our body and for our home so that we are really reducing that toxic burden because yeah, that's really going to impact and contribute, you know, to estrogen dominance as well. What was the last one that you mentioned? How do you spell it? Yuka. It's Y-U-K-A. Okay. That's what I thought you said. Okay, cool. We'll yeah. try to remember to uh, link these into the, um, yeah. into the show notes. Cool. So we've got about five minutes. <laughs> um, All right. Let's talk about some ways that we could start to, if we're identifying with these symptoms and maybe we're like, oh, I am really stressed out or I I don't think I'm getting enough nutrients. How could someone start to rebalance their estrogen? Yeah, that is a great question. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like my first step that I love doing, which is so simple, so easy that you can start right away is something called seed cycling. I use seed cycling coming off birth control when my hormones went crazy and I developed the symptoms of estrogen dominance. And I use the, the seed cycling just to really get my cycles back on track because they were really irregular. I had the PMS symptoms, the menstrual cramps, the breast tenderness, and um, doing the seed cycling really helped to regulate everything because the purpose behind the seeds is to really support the production elimination of estrogen in your first you know, the follicular phase. And then during the second phase is supporting the production of progesterone in the luteal phase. And it's super, super simple. You just take one tablespoon of flax and pumpkin seeds, grind them up fresh daily and take it every day for 14 days. And then you'll switch on day 15 to sesame, one tablespoon of sesame and one tablespoon of sunflower seeds and take it days 15 to 28. Um, so we're basically mimicking the menstrual cycle when we do these seeds. And you're going to alternate that every two weeks, basically for at least three to six months, I always say, because it does take about that time frame to support the hormones and to really start seeing significant improvement in your symptoms and your cycle. So really doing these seeds, it's super, super simple. You can buy the seeds or another company that I love that I found out a couple months ago, it's called Bea Wellness. It's B-E-B-E-E-Y-A, Bea Wellness. I'm so glad that they did this. They basically packaged the seeds 
for you for phase one and phase two. So all you have to do is just take one scoop per day. Um, so if you don't want to have to buy the seeds separately and measure it out and grind them up, uh, it's already packaged for you. Um, so they're an awesome company to check out as well. It makes it so that. super simple. Yeah. And easy to do. Another company that I just um, that just sent me some is called Agni, A-G-N-I, and it's like a whole mm. kit with a tea and like spices mm. and cookies that. that like have the flax and all the things in it. It's like so yummy, and I really liked their little package that they sent me, but it's definitely more involved than just the seeds. Like they do it with like a sprinkle. So I put on like salads and stuff. It's really fun. It's tasty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The seeds and, and like you said, the seeds, you can sprinkle that in onto your salad. I like to throw it into my oatmeal or my smoothie. Um, I had a client mix it in with her ground Turkey, you know, <laughs> so you can actually get really creative or make some energy balls with them. You can get really creative with the seeds. Um, anyway, as long as you're taking it in every day, it's just so simple and it provides the nutrients that you need to really support your hormones. So that's my first step that I always recommend uh, that's super easy that everyone can implement. And uh, the second step is just focusing on those, consuming those, a lot of plant foods, especially the cruciferous vegetables. So, you know, the broccoli, the cabbage, the cauliflower, bok choy, all those cruciferous vegetables. Now, if uh, you have a thyroid disorder, just make sure that you steam them. I wouldn't recommend consuming them raw, but make sure you lightly steam them because it changes the properties. The thing with the cruciferous vegetables is that they contain something called glucosinolates which can impact the thyroid. But if you lightly steam them, it actually changes the properties into something called sulforaphane, which is a power, powerful antioxidant and really important for estrogen metabolism. So really focusing on those cruciferous vegetables, lots and lots of fiber. So those leafy greens for B vitamins, but also fiber for the gut, um, increasing a lot of fermented foods, but just be careful with the fermented foods. Cause if you have gut issues like SIBO, it's causing a lot of bloating and gas, you want to get your gut checked and get that straightened out and taken care of before consuming those fermented foods. But all those, you really want to consume those foods to really support estrogen metabolism, support a healthy gut and lots of healthy fats too, because uh, healthy fats are really important for production of our hormones. So really consuming like lots of avocados, nuts and seeds, olives, salmon, you know, good quality source of salmon that has a lot of those omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, the next step is to eliminate toxins. So, you know, I gave you some awesome apps to check out. I highly recommend just start swapping things out one thing at a time. You know, you can start with your shampoo or body wash, switch over to your toothpaste. And the next thing is your, your laundry detergent, you know, start swapping things out one at a time for better, cleaner products in your home. Also getting rid of all those plastic water bottles, plastic storage containers, those nonstick cookware, finding better alternatives as well, just to really reduce the toxic burden in your home and to really help support your liver. And then lastly, creating a self-care routine is going to be big. And this was a game changer for me because I used to be type A personality perfectionist, <laughs> still I'm a go-getter, but I had to work on figuring out how to manage stress and anxiety because I definitely experienced a lot of that in the past and no one ever taught me that. And it wasn't until I learned about functional medicine and about yoga and meditation and deep breathing, I started implementing these things in a daily routine, something that I do every single morning, because if I don't do it, I definitely feel the difference if I don't. And I definitely more on edge and it makes a huge difference and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, even if it's just five, 10 minutes of, of deep breathing or meditation can make a huge difference in how you show up in the day. Um, so definitely creating that self-care routine to really help reduce anxiety and stress is going to be huge. 
I love these tips so much. They're so great. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us so much information. This is such a good episode. I mean, people need to listen to this over and over and over again. I can't wait for it to come out. And yeah, I love the idea of this, the self-care routine. I think that's so important. I call it the stress toolkit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My programs. We need ideas and tools to help. And yeah. So important. So we have about one minute left. Where can people find you, Kate? They can find me online at yourradianthealth.com and also on Instagram at katevasquez underscore PA. That's where I'm there the most. Um, so if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. My book, you can also find that on Amazon. Uh, estrogen is a bitch where I dive into estrogen dominance even more. You know, what are all the different root causes, the symptoms, diving into different disorders like thyroid disorders and autoimmune and breast cancer. So really diving into the connection between all these disorders and excess estrogen, as well as walking through simple ways. Um, I have different tips on self-care and different things that you can do to really help balance those estrogens naturally. Oh my gosh. I love it. Guys, definitely go buy her book, Estrogen is a Bitch, because it's amazing and could be your little guidepost, you know, your little resource guide to rebalancing your estrogen. Oh, awesome, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I wish we had more time. I actually have a client in one minute, so I've got to hop off. But thank you so much, Kate. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sophie, for having me today. Awesome, guys. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the episode, please go over to iTunes and rate it for us um, and give Kate some love. Give me some love. If you feel so inclined, send this to a woman in need with these symptoms that could actually benefit from hearing this information. And as always, we love you and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.